Welcome back to The Growth Show. Couldn't be more excited about being with my partners in growth, Eric Watkins Hello. and Jeff Winters. Welcome back. You guys ready to bring the heat? Let's do it. Yes, sir. You are listening to the number one resource on the planet for growth tips, actionable advice. We're just trying to make it a little bit easier for you all out there in your journey to year over year growth. You know what I love about this show is that we get to kick it off with the sheriff. Oh, the sheriff of LinkedIn. Mr. Winters is combing the pastures, finding the goods, and pointing out the shit. Combing the pastures, I like. <laughs> I've never combed. I'm, not, I'm unfamiliar with the pastures, but I'm combing. He's never been in a pasture in his life. Two truths and a lie. never been in a pasture. This segment sweeping the country. People want to be named. Um, and we're going to name Darren Alpert for today's first truth. Um, today we're talking about OTE, as the kids call it. We call it on-target earnings. It's a fun phrase people use mostly in sales to talk about how much you can get with your base plus your commission. And Darren says, quote, hard to turn down a role with a $150,000 base and 300K OTE, question mark. Not really. If no one is hitting quota and product market fit isn't there, you have to do research. Otherwise, you're going to be looking again for a job in six to nine months. I think this is a material truth. The on-target earnings for a salesperson has a lot to do with the product and the company. I think people get suckered into jobs based on big on-target earnings promises and end up leaving jobs where they're making a lot of money to make job to go to jobs where the promise is a lot of money. You better know what you're doing before you take a big on-target earnings job. Do your research. Truth. I agree. I think that if you're out there looking for a job and there is base and commission, a lot of times people are talking about the top one or two reps. That's how it's built. And uh, some people fail in building a plan for the middle group of your sales department, which is where most people lie. So I would uh, ask for what the middle third makes. And I'd even ask for some numbers so you could talk to uh, a couple of salespeople direct and get the facts. Yeah. I, 150 bases, a lot for a lot of people. So maybe not speaking particularly to that, but in just looking at the total income in general, if you're leaving a job to try to go make more money, I agree with Scott. I think I would ask for, if a company really wants you, they really want you, especially in sales. Mm -hmm. So you have a lot more leverage than you probably think. I would say, show me last month's commission payouts. You can block the names. I don't need to see who made what. Just show me all of them. Show me all the reps. Call them rep one, two, three, four. See what they're making. Get a feel for it. Yeah. I think the the number, the base salary, obviously large. It's less about that, I think, and more about you know what the actual comp package looks like. And it's as much about probably the, the bonus as it is about the ability to be successful. Sure. And and stay there and not get put on a performance plan. Don't I think people when they're in the interview process, they they feel like they're almost beneath the interviewer such that they're not going to ask the hard questions that they need to ask. Like feel free to ask really hard questions to get the answers you need. Like don't be so anxious to get a job that you're going to overlook asking the hard questions. Yep. It's good feedback. Next truth. Allie Merchant. 
and I think it's particularly important for for new managers managing sort of greener frontline employees. I made this mistake as a manager. I was careless. Here's what happened. I was using what he calls drive-by language. Example, can you look into it? Nice job, ASAP. Should have used deliberate language. Example, can you review slide seven and eight? Thank you for adding the timeline. This helps the team. Can you please send the report by 10 a.m. CST today? If you want to get better, ask yourself, am I being specific? Where can I be more specific? How can I be more specific? I see this a lot with newer managers and uh, newer leaders. It's, you know, in your head what you want from someone, but when you ask them for it, they are confused and they don't ask you back like exactly to clarify. So it's the end of the conversation. It's the end of a meeting. It's action items. Oh, can you get me this? And then a week goes by and you get it and it's not what you wanted. And that's on you as a manager. You got to be really specific um, to, to make sure you're getting what you want and what's in your head isn't necessarily what's being communicated. So you got to be clear. I think this is a good tip for managers. I like it. Put it in writing and get a response. Yeah, even better. If you want something and you want to be specific, put it in writing and ask people to acknowledge that they received it and ask them for their understanding of your message if you really want to be sure. This is great. This is great feedback for me. And transparently, I'm not very good at this. I've been working with my team directly for, on average, about five years, I would say. So I'm lucky to have a team I've been used to for a while. And I think you just get worse and worse at this as you get more and more comfortable with people. Um, but it's, you can never be, you know, you can never give too much information about it. I think it's super important. Good lesson for managers. Truth. <laughs> Truth. Truth. The lie. The lies. We're naming names on this lie. Uh-oh. Sometimes we, we name names of individuals. Sometimes we name names of companies. This comes from a company called Consensus, which is ironic because on this, they do not have consensus. <laughs> they say, quote, Selling is hard, but buying is harder. Selling is hard, buying is harder. <laughs> what? <laughs> and then it goes into like a whole diatribe on how hard it is to buy shit these days. That, yeah, I'm the tales from sales guy. I'm not the tales from sales guy because I, I like tales or I, I've I interviewed somebody about selling. I've been selling since my entire career. People talk about sales as though it is not hard, as though it is not difficult, as though you are not failing 85% of the time, and that's success. It, you know, it, it's not as easy as it sounds, and it sure as shit is not easier than buying something. That is within your unilateral control. And I don't care if you're being tug-in-cheek or not. Anything that perpetuates a stereotype that selling is easy pisses me off. I think it's a lie, and it bothers me. Is this uh, someone in charge of purchasing? It's a, it's a company called Consensus. Okay, but the person penning this post is not no someone in charge of purchasing. Yeah. Uh, look, they probably it, sell a purchasing yeah. off software. <laughs> that can be a that can be a big job, but you're in charge. You're the one spending the money. Uh, so as long as you go through a process and you interview multiple companies and ask the right questions, I think you're going to get to the end. And pick the right choice. There are so many factors in selling. It's a lie. Sorry to say it's a it's a lie. It's a lie. It makes no sense to me. I just there's nothing there's nothing more to say other than that it's really easy to buy things. 
don't think it's that. I'm pretty good at buying things. I'm a hundred. I I buy one hundred percent of the things I want. I sell ten percent of the time I want to sell. (laughs) You do as a larger organization need to make sure that you buy in the right way, but it's easier to do that than sell the big deal. That's for sure. It's definitely easier to make mistakes buying, probably. But that's, I suppose, it's a lie. Yeah, it's a lie. All right, good stuff. Out on LinkedIn. Are we still building uh, LinkedIn's most wanted list, Jeff? Oh, it's set in the works. Underway. Have we had anybody reaching out wanting to be one of the truths? Or, or are people putting themselves out there? No one's lobbying, but I've had a thank you or two. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Feel good about that. It's just a matter of time. All right. We are to the 50 for 50. Again, today I want to talk about winning awards. And some awards you'll win just by being great. People will find you, but most of them you have to actually go out, go through a process, put a submission together. And this has been really, really big for us. Uh, Went out, poked around a little bit, found a little organization called the Best Business Awards. And what they suggest is that small businesses that win awards can see as much as 63% increase in income and a 39% increase in sales. If someone that was not in the middle of, of this kind of process went out and read that, they'd probably think, oh my God, that's crazy. But this is a, a best practice for us and it should be for you. You have employees that work for you that are doing really good work. They're creative. They've got, you know, their heads down. They're making it happen for you. There's nothing like getting recognized, you know, whether it's an individual award, which we do that. Uh, our, our man, Eric, the Titan to my right here, he's the, he's a Titan, one of the top 100 business people in St. Louis. And it's, so it's important to do on an individual basis. It's also important to do, you know, from a creative perspective, uh, our man Neil over here, he's, he has, uh, in his team have won several creative awards for video. You know, he would tell you that that's really important for those folks that put all those hours into putting that really good content together to be recognized as leaders in the, in the industry. You know, Jeff has, you know, he's won several business growth awards, but the man is, uh, he was on the 40 under 40 locally here, pointed out as one of the movers and shakers in St. Louis. It makes you feel good, but it makes your business better. Um, you know, there's some significance in, in making sure that you're building credibility, differentiating yourself from competitors, you know, boosting morale, you know, attracting new talent. It's free publicity. Look, if you want to get new clients and keep them. And if you want to get new A players and keep them, you'll get yourself involved in this process quickly. Uh, You know, clients do research before they make a decision. People want to go work at a best places to work. If you're already working somewhere, you want to feel good and you want to know, you know, things are headed in the right direction. If you're a current client, you certainly want to know that who you're working with is still being innovative. So this matters more than you know. It's moved mountains for us. What do you guys think? 
I would say, first off, just one point is that this doesn't happen unless you prioritize it as a business. This could very easy fall on the back burner. And I can't remember how many new hire classes I've sat in and asked them how they ended up at Abstract. And they said, well, I got on Google and I searched best places to work in St. Louis or best marketing companies in St. Louis. And that's how I found you. And there's incredible people that have come here just because of that, just because that award. Well, that award goes out. I think we just got an email the other day about it. And it's easy to have get caught up in the hustle and bustle of your business and not prioritize that. But that's the wrong thing to do. It has a huge, huge impact on our business. And no award, like you said, no publicity. And from an award standpoint is bad publicity. And uh, I just think it continues to add credibility to your organization. Something you should do. Yeah. I remember when we were first getting started, there was three of us in an office and the Inc. magazine came out with the 5,000 fastest growing companies in the country. And we had, you know, $13.50 in revenue and are looking at this list. Boy, you imagine if we could get on this list one day. Wouldn't that be amazing? And I remember we sat there and we looked at each other. We said, we're going to get on this list. And we worked and years went by and we got that magazine. We weren't on it. We're going to get on this list. We're going to get on this list. And then we did get on that list. And it was such a source of pride for everybody in that business, and myself included, and especially. Awards can have all sorts of positive impacts. Get great people, keep people, get clients, keep clients. But it can be a, a, a source of rallying, too. And that's what that Inc. Magazine award was for us. You know, I, I didn't think about this prior to the this episode, but you know, we just finished one on putting things in place to hold yourself accountable. This is another perfect way to do that. If if you're shooting to get on a, a fast growth list, you get on it one year and then you're gone the next year, that's not so much fun. Or if you're a best places to work one year and you're not the next. So this is just another thing that you could do, get involved in these you know, regular submissions for some of these awards where you're on a list and then you know the goal is to stay on that list. Another just something to think about. Here's the work that I would suggest that you go through. Uh, it's super easy. Go Google best small business awards, local business awards. You'll come, you'll see resources, you know, blogs, articles. Put your list together. You know, what matters? Do I want the innovation awards, the growth awards? What are some of the individual contributor awards that, that I can put on the list? Put them on a calendar because they're at different parts of the year and try to make this happen every month. We've won over the course of our years, you know, about 120 at this point. That's crazy. And it matters. It really does. Our people are more excited about recruiting, going out and getting clients. This matters. Make it happen. Do that homework and, and you'll just be that much closer to consistent growth. One one story I forgot on that is, in addition to all that, the people you meet and you kind of know what businesses are doing what. I remember we were at an award ceremony and Sapper was there. And we were like, and we saw their growth and it was like a thousand percent growth or something crazy. And we were like, damn, what's he got going on over there? It could be one of the things that led to us, you know, maybe we would have acquired Sapper in either way, but. That's so the, funny. I remember this. And like, you, it was one of those where you could buy a table and we didn't have that much money. So we bought like two seats. 
and you guys had like four tables. <laughs> but I didn't know, Such you know, it was like, and so, I, but I, we got there. I was like, I was like, Hey guys, how you doing? And, uh, so I was like talking to the people at the table, trying to make you all think that the, that was my table that I had purchased, <laughs> but literally we just bought a seat. It was just me. And but I was like, Hey guys, when I, when my name gets called, make sure you clap. <laughs> always got to be bigger than you are. Hey, always, always. Fake team. Perception is reality. Yeah. I have been so excited about the things that you've been sharing in Mining for Growth Goal. I, I just think today as selling gets harder, people are kind of stuck and they're just thinking, I mean, some people are just throwing their, their arms up and saying, it's just, it's just too hard. Layoffs are happening. The economy's down. My sales are just going to suck. But guess what? We're setting records here uh, in this climate doing some of these exact things that you're talking about so you know what do you have to share today in mining for growth gold yeah i have uh so we're we're looking at email for this one and this is a quick one but super super important so if you're doing outbound emailing right now at scale what you're going to get is a lot of no matter how good your targeting is you're going to get a lot of well you actually need to talk to so and so are so-and-so handles this. And what what mistake a lot of people make as soon as they're referred to that other party is they'll reach out and say, hey, I was directed your way. Uh, I was told so-and-so told me that you make the decisions for that. Is that correct? And they'll get into this like big, long conversation. Just close the appointment and use the person that that sent you over to them. Hey, Jeff. I actually reached out to Scott and he told me that you were in charge of the sales over there and uh, that he, he thought it would make sense for us to meet and talk about our solutions. Just assumptively close the appointment with the referral and you'll get way, we get a ton of meetings, what we call referral meetings uh, from this just by assumptively closing and going into it. And then as always with any email, have your templates so you can send it as quick as possible, add your flavor in, and call them. And hit them from both ways. I'm going to email the referral, and I'm going to call them right away. But just a simple thing you can do. Anybody, instead of looking at that as like, oh, we just landed on the wrong person, use it as a way to close another opportunity. Yep. And I want to. you said it at the end. You snuck it in. I want to I bring it to the top because it's so important. Email and call. Yep. Email and call. Every everything today isn't about how great can you email or how great can you call or how great can you social. It's about which channel works for which people, and it it's going to be different based on the person. Just because person A responded to an email, maybe person B never checks their email. So you know what? Email and then call, and then um, call, and then call just to to make sure you're having a multi-channel experience for as many prospects as you can, because we were just telling a story before the show. We were talking about a super successful CEO hasn't checked his email since 2009. Fine. We'll get you on social. We'll, we'll connect with you via the phone, but, but don't assume that people are going to read or open your email just because somebody else at that company did make sure it's a multi-channel experience. Uh, make sure you're communicating with the people on the channel that they're most receptive to. That's why we came together, right? Yeah. We were good at calls and you were good at email and now together, both solutions we put into the marketplace are better offerings for our customers. Awesome. More gold, Eric. More thank gold. you. Pretty simple, but very effective. Now our, our, uh, grow nation is sitting on a pile of leads. 
Jeff, how do we close them? Tales from sales. Tales from sales. My tale today is about mindset. And never perhaps in the history of most sellers of this generation, not forever, but of this generation, has mindset been so important. Because what I'm hearing is that in certain industries, sales cycles are taken longer. What I'm hearing is more decision makers. What I'm hearing is deadlines missed. What I'm hearing is commitments broken. And that takes a toll on the salesperson. In sales, it's interesting. If you're only losing 75% of the time, you're an amazing seller. If you're closing 25% of the deals you pitch, you're Hall of Fame. And so that's a that's a lot of opportunities that you're not winning. And in tougher economic climates in certain cases, that, that lo- your loss rate could go up. And what I want to focus on today is A, like continuing to have the mental perseverance to push through rejection, but more than that, to have the knowledge that you're not competing against a number. You are competing against a perfect sales call. And the perfect sales call that you had two months ago is probably not different than the perfect sales call you can make today. But what I see is salespeople who have a month of a slump or 90 days of a slump, and they want to change everything about their approach. Don't do it. Your mindset has to be, let me go back, listen to the sales calls I was having when I was uber successful, which by the way is 12, 15, 18%. And let me make sure I'm doing that exact same thing. Because I know if I produce a great sales call as my leading indicator, the deals will follow. Don't go changing stuff up. Greatness before is in all likelihood greatness now. You didn't change in 45 days. Be resilient. Another great tale from sale. It's been an incredible episode. More uh, growth goodies, growth nuggets for uh, the Grow Nation. Any parting thoughts, advice? Yeah. What parting thoughts or advice might you have? Uh, Well, first, we have an important section to do before we wrap this thing up. To do. Did I try to skip over? Did you to try do to or skip to over? Do? Yeah, come on. This is what they listen for. This is what the people want. We got to give them what they want. That's right. Okay. Today, this is controversial. Okay. This is. I don't want you all, you know, fighting, etc. Uh, today, I'm going to give you a situation, and you're going to tell me if you would rather have a hot dog or a hamburger. <laughs> that's what we're going to do. That's what we're, we're going to to do or not to do. We're going to to do a hot dog or a hamburger. First up, baseball game. Jeff. It's easy. It's a hot dog. All day. Scott. What stadium? Bush Stadium. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Hot dog. <laughs> okay. Okay. We're on the same page. All right. Next. Wedding. Wedding. You're at, you're is at there a, a lot of, is there often a wedding? God, that's a, an Iowa wedding. Yeah. And you're at an Iowa wedding. Eric's going to get married soon. Yeah. I, I know you're, you're your at fiance. a what? You're at a what? You're at an Iowa wedding and there's only someone's grilling and it's hot dog or hamburger. What are you doing? I'm, I'm, I'm hot dog for the, to ensure that my, my clothes, although at this particular wedding, I don't know what the, the attire is, but I don't want my clothes to get messed up. So I'm hot dog. Between, okay. Hamburger. Ooh. All right. If you're grilling, what are you eating? You eating hot dogs or hamburgers? I don't want to say I. I don't. I hate to do this. I'm having another hot dog. I, you can't screw up grilling a hot dog. <laughs> I screw up grilling everything else. I'm grilling a hot dog. But it, you know, maybe 
Did you just admit that you screw meat. up on the grill? Oh, constant. Come on now. Uh, hamburger. Hamburger. I, I think I'm every situation where I trust who's cooking, I'm going hamburger. Every other situation, I'm going hot dog. I think that's what it is for me. So, Jeff, I'd probably eat your hot dog, too. Thank you. Yeah. Do you like brats? I like I, hot dog or brats. A hot dog 100% of the time. <sighs> yeah, probably, too. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes, yeah. I, I think brats, though. I think brats. Sometimes brats taste weird, though. There's something about them. They're like the texture. They're too chewy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Riveting content about Riveting. hamburgers and hot dogs. Riveting. Uh, I think we would like to hear, though. Hot dogs or hamburgers? Are you going to tell them where? Give them an event. And okay. they've got to tell us hot dogs. Fourth of July. Fourth mm-hmm. of July. You could get both. I mean, I've had both, you know, and but you got to pick one. Quintessential barbecue holiday. Whoever is grilling has got the mid calf socks on. They got the dad shoes and they got an apron on. So that's that's all the facts I'm giving you. Those are all the facts. Dad shoes and an apron. Dad shoes and an apron and the high socks. Multiple grilling you know, devices. You know they I mean know business. Yeah, you know they mean business. All right. Grow Nation, we want to hear from you. Hot dogs or hamburgers. And then tell us which one of these tips you're going to put into play this month. We'd love to hear that and, and hear how it's going. As always... Let's grow. Let's grow. Let's grow. The Grow Show is sponsored by Inbound SDR, digital search that works.